I'm sharing about the mentality to hit Friday's here, but Sunday's coming. And that was the idea of Good Friday. That's why it's called Good Friday. It's not called Good Friday because it was actually good for Jesus. It was good for us, but it's called Good Friday because Sunday's coming. And I love that, that thinking. And today I want to talk a little bit about that in the short time we have here. And I want to talk about God's big picture and how the gospel must be preached and talk about how this is a time when it's God's love in action. This is your life is God's love in action. Is that right? And I want to talk a little bit about that today. And John 3.16 is where we're going. Every Christian would know this scripture for sure, wouldn't they? Uh-huh. You don't even need to turn to it if you don't have to, if you know it. But in my Bible, it's one of the most worn out scriptures because my finger's gone over it, over and over it, till it's nearly worn a hole through the page. Uh, it's good to muse and meditate on the Word of God until the Word goes up your finger into your heart, true? <laughs> Changes you, transforms you. It says, for God so loved the world. And we know it, don't we? If we looked at Joel today and there was a testimony of Joel loving Julie, it, and it says Joel loved Julie. Everyone would go, well, of course he did. It's his wife. Wouldn't you expect that? But God, you know, Joel so loved Julie. You got me interested, true? God so loved the world that he created this interest in the word so, I believe. S-O. Easy, isn't it? Uh-huh. And so loved the world that he gave, God the Father gave his only son. That's important to understand, isn't it? Especially if you're a Trinitarian. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. It's important, isn't it, to get that in perspective. That he gave his only son, his only begotten son. I don't know about you, but, you know, you, you look at Lee here and Josh, they've only got one son. Dan, one son. You ready to give him up? It's a question, isn't it? God so loved the world that he didn't just give his son to nice people, good people, worthy people, but to all people. That's a big thought, isn't it? And the more bigger that thought is, the more it'll come into context in a minute as I talk about that. Because whoever believes in him should not perish. And we talked about that the other week as church, you know. How do you get to heaven? This, this world is, is very short. You can't, you're only here, you know, the flower grows up and withers and it's gone quickly. That's you and your life, you know. Uh, and, and, and it does. But the reality is every person in this room is going to live forever. Every person in this room will live forever. Uh-huh. And, 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 you know, people like today, even the context is sometimes people look at life and they think, well, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not a, I'm not a person who's confident about future. How many people you know what I'm doing? We're not confident about the future. But will I invest in gold? Will I invest in silver? Will I take my money out of the bank? Will I put it in the bank? Will I sell my house? Will I buy my... We're not good with the future. But the thing about the future is you only have to wait and you'll find out what you should have done. <laughs> True? It'll all become a reality one day. <laughs> but see, with heaven, it's the same. People say, well, I'll wait till I get there to find out if it's... It's not set up like that. When you get to that point, you think, well, should have bought gold, should have taken my money out of the bank. You know what? It's too late. <laughs> it's the same with, your, with, with the value of salvation. It, there is a day when it's too late. There is a day when it's too late. And, and it's not a matter of going to hell. It's a matter to me of a Christless eternity, a place where God isn't. <laughs> We're so used to being in a place where God is. 
This world is, is a place where God is, even though we live in a fallen world. And whoever believes in him. So it's not a matter, and, and this is a great qualification, it's not a matter of how good I am. My goodness won't get me to heaven. Because <laughs> I can never be good enough to get to heaven. So who gets to heaven? I was only talking to a gentleman the other day. And it shocked him to think that I'm not a good person, so I won't get to heaven. <laughs> I said, well, if, if heaven was a bit like Bunnings and, the, you know, you couldn't get into Bunnings at 3 a.m. in the morning, why couldn't you get into Bunnings at 3 a.m.? Because you don't have a little steel thing. They call the key to get you into a big store. I said, you're not allowed in there because you don't own Bunnings. <laughs> and you don't own heaven. But you can have a key that'll get you in the door at any time of day. Uh-huh. It's called, here it says it's not based upon your goodness because you're never good enough. No one's ever good enough to get into heaven, which is not your invention. It's God's invention. It's his heaven, not yours, if you know what I mean. And, and so he's saying here, but whoever believes in him, and he said, this guy said to me, he said, well, you know, my dad died and he was a really good guy. So you're saying he's not going to heaven. I'm saying, well, no, the question is, did he believe in Jesus? Did he believe in him? And he goes, well, I don't know. I said, well... There you go. That's the answer. Whether he believed in him or whether he didn't believe in him. Do you believe in him? You know, that, that was the question. I'm glad you're answering, but that was the question I put to him. Because <laughs> whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And it goes on, it says, for, this is Jesus, but God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but, the, but through him, the world would be saved. And how important that actually is. That's where in the Bible it says there'll be wars and rumors of wars and challenges in this time. But until this gospel is preached, Jesus, you know, to the four corners of this earth. So our job is not to get caught up in what's happening in the world. Our job is to preach the gospel. Then he will come. I like that sort of stuff. Hey, and I think when he comes, we'll be glad he's coming. Glad is coming. It's the pressure of in the Old Testament, there were, even in, in and around Roman times, the pressure of living in the world was so great to live as a believer that going to heaven was a fantastic option. For us today, it's like 50-50. I like it here and I know I like it there, but sometimes we don't want to go because we care for the world, our world, too much. And this can't become, anyway, let's get on with it this morning. So John tells us here in John, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He took this sin upon himself. And this is the the concept that we believe or the truth that we believe. Uh huh. And when we believe it, it's a wonderful thing to believe. Is that right? And Jesus goes on and he talks in this attitude of you and I being born. No, we talked about being born first. You have to be born before you're born again. Let's get that right. Uh huh. And you have to be born. He talks about this concept of being born in John 3, doesn't he? You'd be born of the flesh. You've been born. How many pinch yourself? Better still pinch the person beside you. Um, <laughs> they're alive, true? Few of you just dying here slowly. But <laughs> hey, you're a lot older now than when you first walked in. <laughs> hey, you meant to get wiser. Uh, but say, you know, you're alive. And Jesus said, you're being born naturally, you're alive naturally, but you won't survive on just being born naturally. He said, you need to be born again. What does that mean? He said, you need to be born of the Spirit. So you need to come alive in the Spirit that can marry together with the natural man so you can be fully alive. That's what he's talking about, fully alive. Why do I need to be fully alive? Because the understanding was that in the beginning, mankind 
was in a relationship with God. I love the rag Bible. That in the beginning, man was in a relationship with God. Is that right? That's how he started off. Adam walked in the cool end. The first man and woman walked with God in the cool And so we got this understanding that in the beginning, man was in a relationship with God. But sin came into the world through one man's sin. All have sinned. Sin came into the world and blotted us and distances from God. And so God so loved the world. That's the little yellow part you're watching. So loved the world that he sent his only son to die on a cross for us. So our sin, those things that separated us from God, can be taken from us. Uh huh. And so if we'll repent of those sins, but the understanding Jesus came to die for our sin, taken from Why? So we can be washed white as snow, clean again. Why do we need to be washed white as snow? What's the cross really about? The cross is not so much about Jesus dying on the cross, so much as it is us now having an ability to be close to God. The cross gave us an ability to be back with God as mankind was done in the beginning. So we're returning to our original state, our strong state, our real state. You have to be born again. And I think that's wonderful. And when you understand that, you come alive. And it's just not me going, well, that's a great preach. You're excited about that. I don't want to be excited about it as much as you're going to be excited about it. Uh-huh. Enthusiasm, the word enthusiasm actually means God in you that you've let him get into you to bring an enthusiasm out to tell his story. And why that is important, it is important because when Jesus died on a cross, he defined history. This is important. He said BC, AD, is that true? He cut history in half. He defined history. And that identity with him dying is the greatest identity we could ever have for our own personal life. This comes alive in us. But why is that important? Why is it important is this. It's because many people today fall into the trap of developing an identity around a hurt, around a disappointment, around the colour of their skin, dare I say it, the length of their nose, whatever it is, we define our life around that. And Jesus is saying, I want you to define your life around me. Yes. Not about your biggest crisis, but my, my biggest victory. And that's where being a Christian defines our life around that. And you go, this is exciting. This is exciting for me. And nothing can compare to what He did for me. That's why Good Friday is so good. That's the day He won my victory for my life and took my sin upon Himself. And we understand that. Identity fraud's massive today. We, we spend, your tax dollars spend billions of dollars every year on identity fraud. It's why we have facial recognition. It's why we, people are concerned about the mark. It's why we have all these different challenges today uh, around, you know, the things that happen in life and, uh, you know, the mark, the pin numbers, uh, you know, privacy settings and all this is all done so that no identity fraud can happen. But identity fraud in the spirit can happen very easy when you hand over your identity to your disappointment or your struggle or what's happened to you, as real as it is. That's where Jesus came along and he said, I want to define your life, not let your hurts and disappointments define you. That's why he says, well, you go, well, what am I going to do? Just forget about him? He said, no, I'm going to heal you of your hurts and disappointments. I'm going to set you free of those things so they no longer bite you or want to rear up and actually talk to you. What a possibility that is. So why? So you can stay alive. Stay alive in your knowledge of how good God is. How many people say, God is good? 
God is good for my life. And so we realize that Jesus came along and he forgave me of my sin, but he just didn't forgive me of my sin. He forgave me of the original sin of Adam and Eve. Well, you know, anyway, just take it as that. He forgave me of my original sin. That's why you got children today, teenagers today. It's not just forgive, because you know, what's a, you know, a child who's, what are they, you know, they're not, they haven't robbed a bank or anything, have they? They're 10 years old, <laughs> haven't done anything bad yet. But there's an original sin that needs to be forgiven to their own personal life. So there's an original sin that you carry, and then there's the sin that you have committed that you carry, that you can, you, you sometimes don't feel the sin that you've committed, you feel the guilt and the shame of what you've done. Uh-huh. And Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn you. I didn't come to put my finger on that. I came to set you free of that. And how good is God when you think about it like that? Uh-huh. And the thing is with sin, if people sometimes, there's two ways you can go with sin. Is that one way you can go with sin is you, you, you come out fighting. Pretend it didn't happen. You want to defend yourself and stuff. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. The other way you can do it is you can hide it inside. You can internalize it and tell no one about it and keep it a secret. And Jesus came to deal with every one of those. Not to embarrass you or shame you, but to free you from that. Yeah, friend, can, can I just, you don't get this at Bunnings, you don't get this at Myers, you don't get this at Subway. You get it from Jesus, the healer of the broken heart and how wonderful Jesus actually is. And that's when he said, you need to be born again so you can find the victory to support your natural living, being alive, to live, have, have, marry it together with your spiritual life to bring your spirit alive. Most people are shocked. They say, you're a three-part person. They said, you seem to know more about me than I know about me. I said, isn't God amazing? You're a spirit. You have a soul and you live inside of a body. You're a triune being. That's who you are, serving a triune God. Uh-huh. And the Jews were very, very um, positive what they did with, with triangles. I love that. They say a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You got, you, uh, let's say, you know, Josh, Taylor, and God. Three-fold cord is not quickly broken. Triangle is a very powerful part. It's used today in bridge building and all sorts of different things because of the strength of it. So we realize today our dependency on God is wonderful. And so as a Christian, I stay alive in this reality. Jesus said, remember this. I, come on, come on. Our job is to stay alive in this reality. And don't let other things define us. What are those things that will do if they define us? They'll come and rob, kill and destroy. What in that context of Scripture? Our identity. What's our identity? Who we really are in God. Who we're really made to be. I'm a human and I have Jesus in my heart. That's who you're made to be. That will get you through to eternity. And believing in Jesus is the goal. So 1 John 4, it tells us this attitude that we have that in 1 John 4, it says, it says it's not a matter of, of you loving God as much as it is a matter of you knowing how much God loves you. He says, you know, like sometimes we say, well, you know, I really love God. I really love God. That's not the goal of you walking around like a parrot telling everyone how much you love God. It's a matter of you and I realizing over and over again, which is the bigger part your part of loving God oftentimes can be very conditional. God's part of loving you is unconditional. Do you get it? That's bigger? Yeah, that's better? And, and I realize that unconditional love of God and me knowing how much God loves me can transform my life and change my life, 
dramatically. God loves me and he cares about me and he watches over my life and he only, I don't know if you're ready for this next statement. I don't know if you're really ready for it at all, but here we go. He wants the best for your life. He wants the best, better than you could ever get or imagine or think for your own life. God wants better. You haven't even thought about that. Yeah, I haven't thought about that. How wonderful this is for our life. And so it goes on in John 6. Well, it talks about a mentality in John 6 when Jesus comes and he talks to them about communion. This is good. This will encourage you. He talks to them about communion and how difficult communion actually is, the blood and the body and all this sort of stuff. And And Jesus said, as they replied, they said, we don't get it, Jesus. We don't get it. We don't understand it. And Jesus said, it's okay if you don't get it, you can go home. It's all right. I'm not going to press you. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to shove it down your throat. I'm not going to Bible bash you. If you don't get it, then it's okay. And a few of the disciples said, we're not going anywhere, Jesus. Because we've come to know and believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And where else will we go to find such a great salvation? To me, that's people who've thought about this. They've investigated it. When I was into new age and stuff like that, God is a universal thing. He's there, we'll acknowledge him, but he's not Jesus. He's different. (laughs) He's just there when you need him. In fact, you get it, you tell him what to do and he does it type thing. You get to manipulate God and you get to tell him what to do and you can turn him on and off like a tap. You can choose philosophies if you like, like being at a buffet. Sounds good, but its end is death. It doesn't fulfill you to the way it promises it will fulfill you. And so we realize something here. He's saying, we don't know where else to go to, Jesus. We've checked out other things. We've thought about this and we don't know where else to go to. For we believe you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We believe that. You know what it tells me when you've got these people going home and the people staying? You have to be intelligent to be a Christian. Think about it. You have to be intelligent to be a Christian. These people just flippantly said, we don't understand this thing. They didn't bother to ask questions. They just assumed and presumed that it was all about this. It was was about religion and it was about this and it's about that. I've discovered you have to be intelligent because you you have to think it through. Where else are we going to go to? That's got some thought in it. It's got some understanding in it. But you have to think it through and think, I'm going to do this. When I first became a Christian, I was probably a bit rude at it. But I first, and I thought, I've tried everything else and it hasn't worked. What have I got to lose by being a Christian? And I thought, I'll get to the deepest point that I could find in Christianity at that point was going to Bible college. I thought, I'll learn about the Bible every single day that I'm awake (laughs) and some of that I'm half asleep trying to do assignments to, to find out if this is fake, I can get out of it as quick. So I'll give it a month. I'll give it a month and see how I go. Come to the end of the month, I'll give it two months and see how I go. I'll give it three months and see how I go. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll give it 35 years and I'll see how I go. <laughs> you know? And I'm still here. I'm still talking about it. And, and I'm still liking it. And I'm not here because anyone made me be here. Either of you, I trust. That you made that decision to say, I've thought this through <laughs> and... It's the intelligence of God that's got around my life. And, and I love that sort of stuff, don't you? I, I love the, the thought, and you're going you're gonna to love me drawing this up again. So Pastor Stewart's going to do it again. 
Turn to someone and say, he's going to do it again. We, we have the, the first guy that worked on the earth, we, we talked about, his name was Adam. And Adam was the first guy that God put here. Now, for God to put Adam here, God had to put the kingdom inside of Adam, and Adam had, then he had to put Adam inside the kingdom. And that was important to be able to think about. And so God, who created everything, is, is, is wonderful. And everything that God creates is incredibly positive. We understand there's a counterfeiter. The na- he, his name is... Well, yeah, call him a number of things. We'll give him a small S. Right? So he's a counterfeiter. Everything that God, he does, he does, he's copied off God. And he hates the inability of God to be able to reproduce people and all of this sort of stuff. He hates that. This identity fraud thing that, you know, that is all over the world, gender identity and all this sort of stuff. is just a way of messing with people's minds to steal their real true identity of who they are in Christ. Anyway, I get there today. So God loved the world and we have this Satan who's messed up people's minds and hearts. You might have been there one day. Some of the things that, you know, that people face in life is uh, confusion. You agree? Yeah. Uh, they, they have hate in their life. They have uh, lust in their life. Uh, they can be exposed to fear in their life. Is that right? Yeah. What, what else? What are some of the other things? Help me. Who? Uh, Gossip, you can be submitted to gossip and think that's okay. Slander in people's lives, hey. You, you can have Valium? Oh, rebellion, rebellion in your life. <laughs> you can have addictions in your life. You can have any other medications you'd like to put up here. <laughs> hey? You can have anger in your life. All of those things... That unrestrained sort of living, uh, the Bible calls it lawlessness, just living without any boundaries. If it feels good, do it. You know, basically that sort of mentality. We could go on and, and you know, look at all those things. So someone said once, you know, there was, talking, there was a preacher and, and he wrote on the board like that and someone said, you know, they said afterwards, they said, you know, in all my years, he said, I've heard about this uh, speaking in tongues. But he said, until today, I've never seen anyone write in tongues. <laughs> You know, the, the world is in this confusion and God sees this mess and he goes, we're going to fix it. Because what's this? This sin nature, this lawless nature. God says, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to send a second Adam. His name was Jesus. Jesus. Uh huh. And the Bible says that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We just read that. So when I come to Jesus, I bring the worst of me uh huh, to Jesus and he gives me the best of him. And when I believe in Him, it translates me out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His glorious light. And I am translated and transformed into a whole new kingdom. This guy is no longer my father. This guy is my father. Satan, the father of his, a big one we didn't put up there, lies. The father of lies. And lies are just not... I always find that people who tell lies are people, the same people who believe lies. You're an idiot. You're fat. You're no good. You're horrible. You're a terrible person. Those same people will tell lies. And so it's important. uh Uh-huh. This guy, you know, he can say to people and encourage people all the time. You know, if you do this, you know, don't do this. You're an idiot. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. You're not good enough. And and then people do things like that. And then they go, you know, like, you know, people jump off bridges and do all sorts of stuff. And the devil go, oh, you idiot. What'd you do that for? He's an accuser of the brethren 
And so we understand something when God translates us out of the kingdom of darkness, because we say yes to Jesus, uh huh, believe in Him, the thin edge like I did. I'm going to give this a go for a month. I've got nothing to lose. Hey? And so He brings us into the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? The first thing that I found was peace. Second thing I was joy and joy everlasting. You know what I mean? Sometimes, you know, you just start laughing at things and you don't even know one's even told a dad joke yet. Because there's an everlasting joy because I'm no longer a victim. I am victorious. Uh huh. I'm not a powerless person. I am a powerful person. Why is that? It's because I can pray. As a Christian, I can pray to change situations and circumstances. What else have we got? Life. Who's going to say it? Love. Very good. Hope. Same people that said Valium, I think. But <laughs> I can have, that's a good one. It's, I can have self-control. I can have, oh, we're running out of whiteboard, sorry. I can have hope. I can have freedom. Uh, and so on and so forth. Sorry, I didn't spell that word right there, but it's all right. I, you know, I can have all those things. But think about it, come on. If you just turn your brain on church, come on, or, or people today, just think about it for a moment. Which one is even looks the best on paper? Come on, which one looks the best? Come on, all the intelligent people now can answer. Which one looks the best? This one looks the best, isn't it? We got, tell you, we're on the winning team. Hey, we've got a new dad who's positive, he's encouraging, who believes in you. He's called you by name. You did not choose him, but he chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit and that your fruit will remain. One of the key things over here, God's got a job for you to do. What does that mean? It means that here, very quickly, the three biggest questions to life have just been answered here. The people are still wandering around out here looking for the answers to these questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here and where am I going? God's answered that just in one click, hasn't He? Huh? Where'd you come from? Where are you going to? Why are you here? We're going to heaven. You discovering your appointment, your assignment is very important. Why are you here? So you can fulfill the God-given assignment that you can, you can actually have for your personal life and ask for God's anointing over that assignment. And you've only got a, a few years to figure it out, but you've got the rest of eternity to be rewarded upon your assignment. Huh? I tell you, what, do you, what people say to me, where will you be when you die? I said, you know where I'll be? I'll be on the, in the op- boss's office on payday. <laughs> That's where I'll be. <laughs> Come on, we're not doing this for nothing. There's a, a great reward. A great reward. Not a good one, a great reward. How many people know after you pass away, it's like, well, it's Fred now. He's in a permanent sleeper. He's not here. He's, he's just something. Become a worm farm or something. I don't know what he's become. But I tell you, we've stepped into a great reward. Come on, death cannot separate us from the love of God. Nor angels, nor demons can separate us from the love of God. Come on, come on. If you don't get excited about that, then your wood's wet. Come on, that's, that's a bushy saying. Hey, come on, come on, let's stand to our feet and get excited about that just for a, for a moment. Thank you, Jesus, for redeeming me 
from a curse of salvation to the blessing of God, where your goodness and your grace and your mercy are everlasting and ever fulfilling. Come on, Friday's here, but Sunday's coming. Yes, the resurrection and the life that we have in Him. We have been restored to our original purpose in God. We're on the right track now. We're on the right journey. Let's keep going in Jesus' wonderful name. We thank You for that, Lord, today. Thank You for, Lord. Thank You for that.